Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Eicher. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me, my buddy in recovering from cold and flu season, she is the writer and creator of Basketball Feelings, and I'm sure you've seen her work on many other platforms. It's Katie Heindel. How you doing? I'm hanging in, as we we're established. We're hanging and in. Yep. There might be some muting. If we laugh, like if I laugh too much, I'm going to cough. So there'll be like probably some muting breaks. That's fair. That's fair. I've got some Ricolas. There you go. I got my tea. I got my honey lemon tea on deck. There you go. I think I only have like four of these left. I've really, gotta re I've really re gone through the bag here. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to re-up. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. I mean, first and foremost, you know, Darko really put himself on the map this week with an epic rant at the referees after a very, you know, sort of heartbreaking loss to the Lakers on the Raptors front. Um, the disparity was like 20 to two free throws uh, in the game or in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, this went everywhere. CNN picked it up. I saw BBC Sports picked it up. Across the uh, pond. It went, it went across <laughs> the pond. That's how big this was. I saw people um uh, from fan bases, not the Raptors, uh sticking up for Darko. And like he kind of you know endeared himself, I feel, uh, amongst the NBA hopefuls uh across across the land and beyond. Um, as of this as of recording this, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. A fine has not yet been announced uh, for this rant. So we are anticipating it. We were just joking uh, before we started recording that Katie and I, we did a podcast last year. We were talking about what a mess the Brooklyn Nets were. And then they announced Steve Nash was fired as we were recording the pod. <laughs> so we're thinking something similar <laughs> could happen today. We will see. So we won't be able to react to that portion of it. But Katie... How did you feel about this epic rant? I mean, I kind of liked it. I feel like one, I feel like it always takes a rant. It takes like a coaching rant and a subsequent fine for especially like a new coach, you know, like a rookie coach like this first year NBA coach to kind of like get on the map. Mm -hmm. And I think also like his, to not to his detriment, but to the fact that he's the coach of the Raptors. A lot of people aren't paying attention this year or at all. So I think that also helps. You know, people turn their heads a little bit and be like, oh, okay, like maybe I should sit up and pay attention to this guy. Um, as someone who's been around Darko and like been in these pressers and has just seen like, you know, I think once, I think the last time I was in a presser, I like zoned out and was like, man, this guy has such deep laugh lines. Like he's such <laughs> a sunny, you know what I mean? Like he's just like such a sunny, positive guy. Um and like that's kind of what we've seen through his character and what he's tried to bring to the team. So I actually sort of liked it as like a counter to it because it also reminded me like, oh, yeah, it's not really healthy or good to like place kind of one dimensionality mm. on people um, in that sense. And like, yeah, of course, he's capable of getting fired up, especially like you want him to get fired up for his players. I think it was cool to see that. I think there's been some pushback on like the Scotty Barnes stuff, but like, why wouldn't he say that about his, one of his team's best guys? Yeah. So yeah, generally I liked it. I've liked the memes. Uh, I think my favorite one is the like screen cap of him at the beginning of the rant. His eyes are really big and like, it's just like, it's shame is the text. I like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might have saved that onto my camera roll. Yeah, there's been some uh, screenshots of like a very good depiction of like his lower teeth. 
Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know how, like, you don't always see lower teeth on people unless they're, True. like, just really angry. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, wow. You know, like, the lower the lower jaw was I out. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, generally, I think I, I think it was positive. I don't think I've really – I mean, the negative stuff I've seen has been pretty stupid. Um, and like, I, I agree. I mean, yeah. let's, let's talk about the Scotty Barnes side of this, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you said, you know, it, he's been getting a lot of backlash for calling Scotty Barnes the face of the league. That is so ridiculous on my part. I mean, I completely agree with you. He is his coach. He'll never be the face of the league if his coach doesn't believe he can be. Exactly. I mean, why wouldn't he say that? Like, I just thought that was so ridiculous. And I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, the the Stephen A's of the world, like, they have to be somewhat antagonistic in order to stay interesting. And so I think mm-hmm. that's kind of why, um, you know, some people choose to do that. But Yeah, I mean, he's his coach and like it's his job to stand up for his guys. And I agree. I think the players needed to see the side of Darko as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they needed to see him being angry and sticking up for them and not just like, you know, pizza parties all the time and (laughs) stuff like that. Like, I think I actually think it really meant a lot to them as well. Yeah, I think so, too, because I think like positive coaching, I'm obviously a big fan of it. Um, But I think, you know, to go back to what I said earlier, just like to understand that there's going to be layers to that as well. Um, and like sometimes being positive is like tough love on your athletes, like on your team. Mm. Uh, and sometimes like being positive like that means standing up and like put sticking your neck out for, and like calling out BS when right. you see it, you know, I think it's also really funny. It was like almost a year to the day that Fred Van Vliet got slapped with a fine for this. Right. <laughs> calling out the same dude. So I think, um, yeah, I think all in all, it's it's positive. I also think it shows like good confidence, right? That you want to have in your head coach, especially like your new head coach, that he's like he's not afraid to speak his mind and speak up when it counts. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, they did a report. It's called the L two M report. I don't. Do you know what that stands for? L two M. L two M. Oh, feel last like I two minutes. Last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Minutes, that's what it's. Yeah. <laughs> As I said it I was out like, loud, that is I was like, NBA, That's like on NBA Media Central for sure. And I just never paid attention. Yeah, no, that's fair. So basically mm-hmm. they said in the final two minutes of the game, there were only two incorrect calls made. Mm-hmm. Uh, both should have gone against the Raptors, the NBA said. Uh, so that's kind of a weird uh, wrinkle in this whole thing. I mean, obviously that doesn't include the entire fourth quarter yeah, um, or the entire game for that matter in a really close game. So I don't know, like I always kind of like low key just as a fan wanted to see an in-depth investigative report <laughs> on officiating bias. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like, like, you know, Raptors fans, like we always kind of have this chip on our shoulder, you know, you know, it's us versus them. You know, the Americans always have this bias against us. Right. Like even like in that in like, you know, when people grow, were going off about Scotty Barnes not being the face of the league, I'm mm-hmm. like, they don't want a Raptor. Sorry. <clears throat> they don't. No, want, that I'm getting good. fired up. I'm like, getting yeah. fired up. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want a Raptor to be the face of the league. Because they don't want to update their passports and they don't want to stand in a line, you know, at at customs and all of that. Like during the NBA finals, like that's all they complained about. It was so annoying and it was so stupid. And I feel like that's what they're like. Nexus, bros. Like, yeah, literally. You don't have it already? Get Nexus. So I just feel like, you know, maybe the bias is real and it would be nice to have like a deep, deep investigative. You know, an an obusman is that what that's called? Yeah, ombudsman. I don't think no omnibus. Omnibus. Yeah, I'm not a lawyer. Omnibus, maybe. Ombudsman is a position. (laughs) Thank you, Katie. Yeah, omnibus, a volume containing several novels or other items previously published separately. It doesn't really fit, but I get what you mean. Yeah, you know, an investigation of sorts. Yeah. A report. Yeah, some type of report. I mean, I get that, but I also think, like, the NBA is, like, to some degree, it has to stand by its officials, no matter, like, the crummy job they're going to do. No, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Be be the voice of reason, Katie. I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, And I think, yeah, we have also heard a lot of people. I laugh when I hear people complain about, like, the customs line. You know, it's not, like... The referee like association or whatever can't like 
yeah, pay for your, your Nexus application. I'm sure they're good for it. You know, that's a that's a professional. That's like they can they're they can cover expense. you. It's a business yeah. expense. Thank you. It's the word I was looking for. My <laughs> melted brain. Um. You and me both. I mean, look, like I I agree with you in that. Like mm-hmm. the NBA obviously has to stand by the refs and it has to stand by the integrity of the league itself. I do think in this day and age of you know legal sports gambling. You know, why not? Like, I don't know what the checks and balances are for these guys. I don't know uh, what kind of accountability they do have. I actually, I truly don't know. Um, I mean, there's like standards, right? There's like refereeing standards and protocol and things that get reviewed. I don't know if you remember that like hilarious apology. When did this happen? I think it was like last spring when they, the NBA referee Twitter account, the official Twitter account made that like public apology about bad officiating. And it was like, we are so deeply heartbroken. Like it was, <laughs> yes, oh, I do remember. yeah, it was why it was like, so soapy. Um, it was amazing. So I was kind of hoping for another one of those just for like, a, yeah, yeah. A really over the top worded apology. It was yeah. just like, we are, we are beside ourselves with grief. <laughs> and mourning for our profession like it was that's what i want for us yeah i want that i want want that for us too but i don't i feel like as um the raptors like you shouldn't really hold your breath no (laughs) i agree we should not hold our breath and the fact that it's thursday and they still haven't you know thursday afternoon yeah and they still haven't announced a fine fine they're really they're really thinking about it yeah, I wonder, like, I'm thinking somewhere 30, 35 range. I was just comparing it to, like, what Fred Van Vliet got, but maybe it will be 40, 45? Maybe they're going to do, like, an unprecedented, like, largest fine ever for a coach complaining about the refs. I don't know. I don't know. Which I think would actually only add fuel to the fire in Darko's favor. Yeah, know? I think so. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. And I also... uh a part of me was like, I wonder if they're all going to chip in and help pay for it. Oh, they'll pay for it. Yeah. MLSE will pay for it. No, don't I know. Pay. But like, yeah, I think, but I meant like maybe they'll make like a thing of it. I don't know. Like a GoFundMe? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no. No, just like the players will will do it. Oh, like they'll play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, and they can use it for like Raptors open gym content. They'll be like, here, we're all at the next pizza party and we'll put a big glass jar in the middle of the um table and everyone throws in a few hundred dollar bills <laughs> something like that that would be fun open gym content i, mm-hmm. I agree Free idea for you guys at open gym my <laughs> friends shout, shout out to open gym mm-hmm. there we go mm-hmm. um all right let's uh let's move on for the rant we're gonna have more <laughs> raptor stuff uh coming up later i just you know usually it's like nba first and then raptors and then sometimes like the raptors thing is the biggest story in the league and then I and it was and it really the world yeah bbc sports i'm telling you so anyway uh so you know uh i've jumbled up the order a little bit here so more (laughs) raptors homer moments uh coming up later uh okay we got to talk about Draymond Green mm-hmm. uh, coming back from his suspension. I believe, um, he, you know, they said he's going to spend a week ramping up. So they haven't announced the exact game, but probably early to mid next week, you know, mm-hmm. around Tuesday or so, uh, he will return in uniform. Um, he's had a lot to say, uh, both on his podcast, which was about 50 minutes long, and then his uh, press conference, which was a bit over 30 minutes long. Um, he talked about, you know, almost you know, contemplating retirement, mm-hmm. um, during this time, uh, he's, you know, sought out counseling, different people have reached out to him. Um, there's a, there's a lot here. Uh, give me your, Katie, give me your initial <laughs> thoughts and then we'll, we'll try and dwindle this down a bit. I mean, my initial thoughts are kind of with the warriors because the whole thing right now, I think their major problem is like their kind of morale is just like in the toilet. Yeah. But I think it actually started, unfortunately, I think it started with Draymond Green uh, and like the most, like the, the, the most public fracture, I think being that he, when he punched Jordan Poole in the face at practice. And when that, you know, that footage got out uh, and then when it was kind of downplayed along with a lot of his other actions, like actions in game this season, basically harming people, um, 
I think that was also kind of downplayed, but I think we've had like this steady, <clears throat> yeah, just like steady, the morale's just falling apart. Uh, they're not, they've been blown out like in two, <laughs> two games in a row. Nobody mm -hmm. looks happy. Um, they keep talking about like, we have to get healthy and, you know, we've got to get everybody back on the floor to a degree. Yeah, I believe that because I also think that's just like the baseline. And I think that's like an automatic assumption that a lot of athletes and teams have. Um, but I also can't necessarily see that happening is when everybody gets back, they will be like things are going to like turn around in, in a kind of 180 degree. I think the most telling thing for me about what he said, Draymond Green said on his podcast was that he was going to retire because also I like put a real grain of salt on like how this conversation went down with Adam Silver. You know, I think probably Draymond Green's fresh new contract that he just signed has a bigger reason for him not wanting to retire than Adam Silver. Um, yes. But like, yeah, like when the commission, when you're like told, not just by the commissioner, by your coach, by some of your closest teammates, you know, like Steph Curry, who's like also one of his closest friends, um, to basically like, you know, you gotta you gotta change your behavior going forward. Like this, this isn't really tenable. And then when you're asked to do that, you kind of throw up your hands and you're like, well, maybe I'll just retire. Like it's a very juvenile response to just being asked to take some responsibility for your actions. Um, so that's kind of a, that was like the a telling thing to me, but also a pretty big bummer to hear. Cause it's just like, how can you, how can you make this about yourself again? So I kind of question like what the time away was really spent on, you know, whether that was like worthwhile time and not that anyone can actually have like, I'll just like put this out of the way too. Like, I don't also believe that anyone can have like a fundamental behavioral change in a like two weeks away. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that's definitely for optics. Uh, you know, I think you um, actually have to go away and like work on that yourself. Yeah. I so yeah, I that's the thing I wanted to to touch on. Cause like, like, okay, mm -hmm. personally, I've been in therapy for years and I don't even hit people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, how does he just change in like a month? <laughs> You know, and like yeah. one thing like I haven't noticed or heard and maybe it's been out there and it isn't in the things that I consumed was that this counseling was going to, in fact, continue. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that mm -hmm. is something like like that to me would have been more encouraging. Like like I got myself to a place where I feel like I can play again, but this is going to continue, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because what I what I sort of fear i'll just use i'll just use that for lack of better term is like everybody's gonna go after him so hard mm -hmm. right like that's the problem with all of this is that basically everyone guarding him is going to be dylan brooks mm -hmm. because why wouldn't you be at this point right and for him to have the discipline to not cave in to people being the most antagonist version of themselves at all times is like excruciating for somebody like him and and i and you know we're all waiting to see whether or not that's going to be sustainable or not i imagine like while the spotlight's on him for like the, that first week or two mm -hmm. you know he's just going to have his arms up like this you know like all the time like i'm not hitting anybody i'm not you know and then and then one day like his guard's going to be down and it's like it could happen again mm -hmm. and then and then what happens you know mm -hmm. so I, I just feel like yeah i don't mean to be like so cynical because i i do want like the best for people but i agree you don't have like a core fundamental behavioral change after just like a month i mean mm -hmm. like the only thing i could really compare that to is like like rehab like you hear about people going to like you know, drug and, you know, alcoholism, like rehab for like a month and then they come out and then like maybe they're sober from then on. My my mm -hmm. brother, shout out Jason, uh, seven years sober. We're all very proud of him. And he, you know, he's been doing great things with his life since. Went to rehab. It didn't work the first time. Went to rehab the second time. Then it worked. But he had to keep going to meetings. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had to keep going. He had to keep <laughs> being supported by an entire community of people pretty much every day. Mm -hmm. 
And he still supports, like now he gives back and supports people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't just like end. And no, I, there's there's yeah. maintenance. Yeah, there's like maintenance. And I think athletes kind of, it's, I don't know, I don't want to call it ironic, but it's like there's so much maintenance that goes into their lifestyle physically. And I think like the mental side of it and behavioral side of it can often just like, it, and I, I think this comes down to like fandom too, like there's an expectation Mm -hmm. that people will just like bounce back or kind of get right. And that's not really how these things work. You know, like I think of that, I think we've talked about it before, like that John Morant, mm -hmm. when John Morant was like, I think it was a second suspension. Um, but, you know, when he was like, yeah, I went away and got treatment, but then they yes. had that like weird ESPN special, like less than a week after. And they were like, Let, tell us what you learned in your time away when like he hadn't been away at all yeah. basically right you know and i think like and so much of this too as you said like is going to be focused on like proof and and like the work that he's done and a lot of that work you know ostensibly would have to be done in private if it's continual and maybe it is you know like i kind of do want to give benefit of the doubt like maybe sure, yeah. they have brought in like someone on the team side of things to like talk him like to talk to him about this stuff like going forward and maybe that's a caveat of his return though i do think that would have been mentioned um in a press release somewhere along the way but i don't know i think he's built up such like a persona for himself in the league almost like a caricature i think it would also be difficult to get away from that and to almost like peace like what's the caricature and like how does my behavior feed into that and like who can i be as an athlete without of that without that and i think like you know to go back to the backdrop of the warriors like team situation right now that obviously does not help yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, it's just, you know, you, like you said, the morale is at an all time low. They mm -hmm. were booed by their home crowd last night, you know, and then there's been yeah. various press conference clips about that that have come mm -hmm. out since. And, you know, it, it's just like to to go through all of this and then rejoin your team while their morale is at an all time low. Mm -hmm. it, this is like really one of the more challenging situations I've seen a team ever be in, to be honest. Yeah. No, I think so. I think so. And that's why I kind of just wish we heard more. And I don't know, maybe that's just like, I'm just thinking out loud, but like, maybe that is again, like the, his caricature and like the persona he's like talking, like that's his podcast too. Right. Like, so yeah, maybe I that leading into it. I don't know. No, no. I think like, that's such a huge point because, you know, prior to all of this, Right. Like this recent, you know, indefinite suspension and all that. He would always say, like, quote, you know, like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's a bit of a paraphrase, not a quote, but you know what I mean? Like he would say, like, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, OK, so like we're basically saying, like, you know, this isn't just, a, you know, it's more than just a behavior. This is a self-identity. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, the, so I think like to what you're saying, like, yeah, like you don't just like that doesn't just change. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I like, that's also like his, I hate to use this word, but like, that's also his brand that he's created. Like there's right. a lot tied up in that. So, you know, I, I don't want to like tread too deeply into psychoanalyzing a stranger, but yeah. I do think like all this stuff kind of plays into it and is worth thinking about. Um, I also do call a little bit BS on like Adam Silver basically being like, that conversation to me reads more like Adam Silver looking at the product of the NBA and being like, or also just like generally someone who's says you've asked them to do some some kind of like simple behavior adjustment and they're like, well, I'm out of here. And then you're like, you're maybe being a little bit rash. I could see it going that way. <laughs> which and is then what I'll, he said, which is yeah. what three months that he said was that, you yeah. know, I think that's a bit rash. Yeah. I don't think it was like, you know, being begging somebody to stick around. I think it was just like, ah, like maybe look at your decision making process here. Um, and then Adam Silver is like a pretty savvy. Business. And he's all business. Yeah, exactly. And he yeah. understands, I think, the draw of Draymond Green and of the Warriors franchise, you know. Um, so there's a lot. I think there's just like a lot of layers is is what I'm most confident in saying. Yeah, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, and and I really like the, the Warriors team. And I've said that on this podcast before. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm a Raptors fan first. But like, you know, I've always enjoyed watching the Warriors. And I think like Steph Curry has been one of the most exciting players I've ever watched in my lifetime this is the most interesting losing team i've ever 
I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, you know, the the downfall of this this whole era is really like it, it's excruciating. Like I just don't recall, you know, teams who who won, you know, this many championships, give or take, mm-hmm. and then the downfall of it being like this dramatic, mm-hmm. this much of a disaster. You know what I mean? Like like you know, the Spurs won five championships. They just, you know, they knew it was over. They had to trade Kawhi and then they rebuilt. But it, but beyond like that whole Kawhi incident, mm-hmm. it wasn't all of this. Mm-hmm. Or even like with the Lakers, like after like, you know, that fifth Kobe championship. And then they tried to redo it with like Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. And then that didn't work out. And then he tore his Achilles. But like, I don't know. Like this is like really on another level, I feel. I think it is. And I mean, like social media and I think the desire for information obviously like lends a lot to it too. Like that wasn't the backdrop for those other situations. Like we didn't necessarily have, you know, different camps kind of leaking information and um, punching teammates. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like phones everywhere at the ready, like to record that kind of stuff. Wasn't Steve Kerr punched? In a practice when yeah, he was there by, by yeah. Jordan, right? Yeah. yeah. I feel like nobody talks about that when it comes to this whole situation. Because in my mind, I'm like, that's why he thought they would get over it. Because <laughs> he got over it when he was punched. Because he also has like such a different era of the NBA. Yes. Like, he had to get over. Can you imagine? You're like Michael Jordan. He had teammate. no choice. Like, yeah. got it. They're like, sorry, tough luck, buddy. To a degree... Yeah, I think some of that's a that's a really good point. I feel like there's a mirror situation going on. I mean, Steve Kerr is also, I would say, blameless in any of this because I think for a lot of what Draymond's done, he's kind of quiet, either like loudly or quietly condoned it. You know, like yeah, he's defended him so much. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I think Steph I think Steph Curry um, was the last person you know with the when when Draymond hit uh, Nurkic. I think Steph was the one who kind of came out and was just like. Basically, like, where are you? In the sense of, like, where's this person I know? Like, where's my teammate? And I that yeah. was, like, actually the most telling to me. And, like, I think the kind of, quote, like, loudest comment I kind of heard anyone on the Warriors make, um, inclusive of Steve Kerr. So I would say, like, yeah, Steve Kerr, not, not, not necessarily, like, the best at, like, yeah, I know we just talked about, like, a coach, like, sticking their neck out for their team like, from the dark <laughs> side, but maybe this is, like, the flip side of it where you kind of got to yeah. back up a little bit and take a broader perspective. hmm hmm I agree. Uh, speaking of that, let's move on to our next topic. And I wanted to do uh, a little coach's hot seat here okay. as we approach the mid-season <laughs> point. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about like Darvin Ham possibly being on the hot seat with the Lakers, which I think is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. See, no, oh God, every time I get fired up, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's uh, like that. That really like I have. Just, I, I just, have one opened. Like I opened the wrapper. Like I just have it. Like so, just this passionate growl. That you've yeah, got. the, the recall is. <laughs> But I just feel like, I don't know, like, uh, okay, this is such a basic fan take. Mm-hmm. And, and Katie, you are here to put me in my place. I, I'm i just tired of LeBron being a bit of a coach killer, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I just feel like Darvin Ham got you to the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm-hmm. Like, can we give this guy some chance? And, like, mm-hmm. literally the only – complaint that i saw in the media was about rotations Mm -hmm. and it's like you can fix that (laughs) rotation like like having different lineups having different rotations trying to figure things out that's life like what are we even talking about here that's just life yeah like how is that i i just i can't i don't even think it's that basic of a take like i'm i'm with you i think there's like um lebron james always seems to have this line i don't even think it's invisible anymore it's just like i'm sure people have actually counted like how many games it takes with a coach to kind of for him to that coach i said him but yeah it's always been a dude um for them to like fall out of favor right with lebron um whether that's because of just like 
things he's hearing or seeing or like, you know, things are taking a little while. I actually like have come around, I think, on Darvin Ham um, probably the most this season. Though, yeah, you make a good point. That Lakers team last year was not good and they still made it like they they kind of clawed their way up towards yeah. the end of the season. And yeah, like they took advantage of like a strange Western conference. Um and they made the Western Conference Finals. Like that is coaching. That's like team talent, and absolutely. But that's coaching too. So, but I think this year, and when I've heard him be pretty honest in some of these post games, and like honestly, kind of show his frustration. I think it was like last week or something when he was just like, "Look, like it's a really long season. Like none of these changes are going to be immediate. You know, like." We, we have, and I think maybe he was talking about the rotational stuff, but it's like, we have time to implement it, but you know what? That takes like time and effort and buy-in from everybody else. So he was just like, you know, I think there's like a lot, I think he was speaking to um, expectations of fans as well. And media is probably, you know, you could fold them in there too, but for things to be so instantaneous uh, to click and that not really be in the case, even if on paper, like the team looks kind of the same or like, why would there be, you know, growing pains and changes? But if you look closer, of course there will be because like, you know, guys like Austin Reeves are going to get way more minutes this year. Anthony Davis is so health, like he's, he's healthy and he's playing like out of his mind. You know, yeah. and you've got to be able to like balance and kind of share this growth and like create other, other like developmental opportunities around your roster to have like a whole complete team and like also just like a a team that's like, um, what's the word? God damn, <laughs> like fit enough. So by the time like the playoffs roll around, you know, like they're used to playing. Everyone is used to playing the kind of minutes it's going to take to like get all the way to the finals because ostensibly that's what they want, right? So. It always kind of um, it does confuse me a little bit because like if anyone knows that it is LeBron James. So maybe this is like one of those things where you see someone who has just like otherworldly talent and has like has, has, you know, like applied himself so much to year over year, just like. I don't know, bodily maintenance and his athleticism and health. And like, that's his sole focus. But still, I think a lot of things do have come to him a lot easier because of that talent, maybe reckoning with people who aren't that, like maybe yeah. he's just like, maybe it gets to a certain point where he's like, well, I've always been able to do this. So it's difficult to see it from like another perspective, but that might be giving him too much of like a silver lining. But I do, I do wonder about that sometimes. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. Like, I just feel like why? I don't know. I just feel like a player as, you know, smart as LeBron, because mm -hmm. I do think he's a really smart player. Yeah, that's the other thing. He's very, very smart. Why wouldn't you have the patience mm -hmm. for these adjustments? Like that mm -hmm. part of it, I don't understand. So I don't know if there's like, you know, disagreements behind the scenes. Maybe he feels like, you know, it should go a different way. And I, I, I don't know about all of that, but. Yeah, I just find, I just find, I feel like ever since LeBron has gotten to the Lakers, their coach is in firing rumors every year. And then he like kind of looks fondly back on coaches he's fallen out with. Like he made that little comment, like they, someone asked him about the, how well the Clippers were doing. And he was like, yeah, you got to give Ty Lue. <laughs> Disco his, birthday party. His credit, but like Ty, it's like I'm pretty sure there were times like you made Ty Ty's life like miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was kind of like leave Ty alone. Like he, the, he's he's doing great things with the Clippers. That team is very fun to watch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't bring him to. Don't like don't don't make him like show up to that arena for a different team. Yeah, I God, I agree. Um, another coach I want to talk about who, like, I can't believe this isn't a bigger conversation is Monty Williams. Like how this guy is paid so much money mm. and he, like, he has the second highest contract in the league until this very recent Spolstra deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. he was literally brought on to elevate this Pistons team. He's done anything but this uh, CBS Sports article that I found says that their core four of Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, 
Jalen uh, Duran and Austere Thompson have together combined an average of 5.4 minutes per game. So like, I don't know what NBA sicko or whoever's paid to actually analyze this Detroit Pistons team because they're otherwise unwatchable. So I feel like that's like just something that isn't reported on enough. Like this article is actually criticizing his rotations, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which to me is wild. And I I'm just like, and now Cade's injured and he's going to be out for like several weeks. So, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody was saying that like this, like the, the Detroit Pistons could end up having a longer losing streak than their last losing streak. Of 28 games yeah. because they don't even have Cade. Yeah. It's a reality. I mean, I'm still like, and this is, this is fine if it's like my delusion, but I do really stand by this, that like the team is too good to be this bad. And, and I also, I understand like people are going to knock on the personnel, but what I also mean by that is like, when you look around at the league in general, like the talent it's like an all boats rising situation, right? Like the talent has become so much better and like so much more dense that it is actually very hard to be bad for such a long time. You know, it's like, it's more, it's more hindering to a lot of these athletes who are themselves very technically good. Um, so yeah, I think in Detroit's case, like I just wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, I went really in depth on it cause I was also a little bit baffled. I I historically love the Pistons, so it stinks to see Mm. them playing this way. Um, And I thought, okay, like Monty, he he like has you know worked well with like young players. That's pretty much like that. That roster is so young. Um, It seems like a good change. It's also like there's something to be said for a franchise that is like not doing so well, putting up a lot of money for like a high caliber quality coach like that because it also shows you're investing in your athletes and you would think that would also kind of like go a little bit or a long way for them my sense is it's not buy-in from the players because when we've heard from them they've been pretty honest about like how frustrated they are they don't think they're this bad either you know like they're a little bit at a loss um i feel like monty hasn't necessarily shown up in the way that at least like I anticipated him to do right away. Maybe I could see also being like, oh, I'm going to take like the first month or two max to really get a lay of the land. And in that situation where you're like, okay, wins, losses don't really matter. We're going to get a sense of the rotations and who we've got and strengths and weaknesses, et cetera. But like it's well beyond that point now. So I don't actually understand. Like he, it's, it's like, I don't want to criticize to the point where I'm like, he seems checked out, but it's, it's difficult to see what the plan is, you know? And I think, is that because there's like a lot of, it, this franchise is moving in different directions from its coach to its uh, like front office to its owner, maybe like, are maybe. there different like ideas of where they want things to go? But yeah, like it's, um it's kind of bizarre. Cause I'm like, what are you going to do? Like, you, are you going to fire him? Like you can't really fire him. Because he's too expensive to fire. Yeah, you'd have to buy him out. And also then you're kind of like, what do you do then? Like, who do you bring in? I mean, there will still be people lining up to want to get their first shot at a head coaching job for sure. But you're not really looking at bringing in that kind of caliber of coach. So I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it can be that much of a misfit because Bonnie Williams has done great things for, for other teams and other players specifically. Um, he definitely like has his favorites on that team, but that's also what your assistant coaching staff is for, right? Yeah. To to round that kind of stuff out. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they don't have a choice. I feel like this was a terrible investment on their part. Mm -hmm. I do think he is checked out. I mean, after, you know, he was let go from Phoenix, I think he wasn't necessarily going to coach again. Or he, he said as much, right? Off. Like yeah, he wanted like to take was, a year off. He yeah. wanted to take a year off. And then they offered him like too much money. And then he said yes. And, you know, maybe that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I just feel like, you know, maybe they ride it out the rest of the season. But like, man, I don't know how they bring that guy back next year. Like, I, I think, <laughs> you know, with this many losses, 
Mm-hmm. You need a new voice in that locker room, at least. Like I was talking to uh, just a buddy of mine, and I was joking, like, like they need to just go on like a weekend retreat in like Montana, and just show up at like Phil Jackson's ranch, and just like smoke some weed and just listen to like some sage words and just like reconnect with nature. They're gonna like, say like, listen to the Grateful Dead. Oh well, maybe that too. <laughs> they probably don't even know who that is, Mm-mm. and then just like. Yeah, and then see if they can, like, reconnect. Mm -hmm. Because I just don't even know what else I would do at this point. Mm -hmm. It's a bummer, too, because, like, again, I think, you know, you look back at their, like, last few draft classes and, like, the picks that they've gotten and the way that they, like, tried to build up this team. Like, there is intentionality there. I don't think it's for nothing. You know, and these are talented athletes, and you hate to see people kind of, quote, like, wasting their – like these kind of young, really like, I think important seasons of their NBA careers, you know, like not getting better, not improving, not learning. Um, but it's, it's like a, it is a mystery now. And I think a lot of people have tried to solve it. I took a crack at it. I have to like really tip my hat to their beat writers, you know, yeah, <laughs> and the people like yeah. that are, that are there like in the trenches with them and have to figure out like how to talk, tell compelling stories about this team that aren't just like we keep losing you know (laughs) but it's um i don't know i really can't see them firing him i can see the maybe the owner likes the team before selling the team that guy's got his own mess of like he's involved with like prison like scandals like i don't know whoa i didn't know this there's a prison (laughs) scandal he buys companies. Um, he he's like he is like one of these for, like for companies that buys other struggling companies and then sells them off. But he he bought this company called Securus, which is um, this is actually a horrible. It's like a horrible business. They charge people, uh, families of incarcerated people, about a dollar a minute, sometimes as much as to make phone calls um, to them in prison. And and I think it's something like one in four families are often bankrupted. Because it's just like, it's untenable. It's like a wild expense to have to pay to call somebody who's in prison. Anyway, the owner of the Pistons owns this company. And there's been all these like public, I think uh, there's been all these like public defense people taking out like, there have been ads taken out in the New York Times against him because he said, okay, I'm going to divest with this. Obviously, this is not a smart business decision for somebody who owns a predominantly black basketball team and a predominantly black league when predominantly the people that are incarcerated are like black and brown men and that's who his company this other company he owns is like preying upon um but he has to like get to divest he's canceled meetings with like families and lawyers of families to like ask for fairer rates he's come out and been like we're gonna i don't just buy things and then and then like sell them for parts and not make them better but like he hasn't really he hasn't said how he's going to improve anything there. It's worth looking into. Uh, you can ever anyone who is interested. I wrote about that also in the thing I wrote about the Pistons. It's at Basketball Feelings, but yeah, it's worth looking into. It's pretty. I mean, as far as NBA owners go, like a lot of them are into some pretty nefarious stuff. But like this is this is definitely up there. That is pretty gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. um yeah you know maybe i mean i would hate for detroit to not have a to not have a team i mean they have a storied history they have multiple absolutely championships in two different eras mm-hmm. um and i don't want to live in a world where it's like the seattle pistons you know has it gone that far are people saying like i don't know i feel like you couldn't i mean they- no i don't think so i mean they didn't lose the supersonics uh or the sonics name because it's you know it's the okc thunder but if they oh, moved, that would just, that would be really heartbreaking. That would be awful. That would be absolutely awful. Like you're already like doing, I think, people in DC pretty badly by moving the Wizards, which are themselves also a terrible basketball team, but they are still like people's terrible basketball team. You know, they yeah. have like a, a rooting interest there, and it's just like at the whims of owners who are like, I can make more money if I move this team somewhere else. Yeah, they're moving to uh, Virginia. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. Um, you know, we're, you know, I was saying it last week, you know, we're fully in this BBQ era 
but whether it's a spicy BBQ era remains to be seen. I had to yeah. look up. I had to not look. I didn't actually look it up. I like pieced it out when I was getting ready. I was like, BBQ. You can figure this out. <laughs> I hadn't like seen the acronym going around yet on, on Raptors. Oh, Twitter, really? I've, I've, yeah. seen I've seen but it. But I, fi- I figured it out on my own. I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. <laughs> um, But yeah, you know, like I, I feel like, you know, we're kind of in this weird sort of thing where like, the team's really gelling. Things are going really well. Mm-hmm. Sucks so much that Pascal was out last night. Really hope he's okay. I always get nervous when a player has a back-related injury. It's just spasms, but, you know, still, hopefully he's he's good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, I was more pro-trading Pascal prior to the OG trade. Now that that's happened and this team is clicking, it's like, oh, wait. Maybe we have something here. He's mm-hmm. also expressed a desire to stay. So, you know, if I think at this point they only make a deal if they have a hunch that he wouldn't stay in free agency, you know, mm-hmm. a la OG. But I'm also like more pro keeping this whole thing together than I was even like, you know, three weeks ago. So, Katie, have your feelings changed around that? Or do you see a trade on the horizon that you hope the Raptors make? No, I've had such a weird, like, ride with this. I was on the radio last week, and I was like, yeah, you've already traded OG, so, like, that first kind of painful domino has Mm. fallen. And I will say it is still, like, it's one of those things where my brain has just, like, put it somewhere else. So, like, when I see pictures of OG now or, like, highlights of him in, like, a Knicks uniform, I'm like, I don't know what this is. You know? Like, I just (laughs) refuse to see it. I'm somehow, like, weirdly a Knicks fan now. Like, I'm just, like, rooting for them for the first (laughs) time in my life. Which is fair. They're great now. Um, But I was kind of, at that time, I was kind of of the mind, like, and that was only, I think, about two games in to like the quickly being quickly in RJ being here era. Um, it's like, well, you know, you've done that one. You've kind of ripped the bandaid off. Why not just like do this other trade? You've been kind of dragging your heels on as a franchise though. I will say I've now like turned, turned like changed my mind on that because this is sort of the ideal. Like this is what the way that the team is playing with Pascal, Scotty quickly, you know, and at all, like is how you wanted the team to play all last season, certainly between like Pascal and Scotty and OG, you know, and then to the start of this season and just something wasn't really working. And it to the point where it became like, I think these arguments are silly of like, whose team is it? You know, it's like, theoretically, it should be all of their team because like, that's the core you want. Like that's the winning core, but it, it was seems so difficult, you know, in the past for all these guys to be having good games uh, consistently together right on any given night it would just be like someone's game one night someone's game the next um but you know for whatever reason this trade has kind of nicely finessed things i wouldn't say it's like really shaking things up but it has really nicely finessed things and given a lot of like certainly shooting and offensive like energy and i think maybe a bit more offensive flexibility and certainly quickness um you know and RJ, of course, like has shown up in a way that like I did not anticipate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which is wonderful. Like, which is like a wonderful, you know, like side effect of this trade. But now I'm like, well, why wouldn't you hang on to Pascal Siakam, who is your second best player, arguably? Some nights still your first best player. Um, because again, like as you said, he said he wants to stay. He said that like over, I don't know anyone who said it more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he said it over and over. And I think right now like the the best decision would be of course to extend him um i don't know if you want to get into like like can we talk i don't really want to talk about like can the team offer him the max if like that's exactly what he's going after this summer probably they can like you know the front office is good for it but um yeah now i think you hang on to him (laughs) this is the thing that i'm confused about with the extension Hmm. so katie you can you can fill me in here I I feel like I I think you can. I feel like, okay, this is what I'm confused about. If, if we don't extend him, right. And then he's a free agent. Mm -hmm. There's this idea of like, he needs to be traded now, which would, in my view, lessen his trade value. Mm -hmm. But if we extended him, then we don't have this, we have to trade him now thing. And then 
his trade value would therefore increase, would it not? Like that's the part of this I'm confused about. Trade value is also just like such an arbitrary, you know, like it is such an arbitrary construct. But, uh -huh. And I think you can even see that at work from like Pascal Siakam's trade value quote last week to this week, you know, and how many teams have now come around and like wanted to be engaged with the Raptors in talks for Pascal Siakam. When I think around the OG trade, the reason that went for us, cause it was like, the easier trade to execute. I think like the Raptors really didn't have their, I think for a lot of, for a lot of like our tenure, it, like in this era of the Raptors as like fans, we've seen, you know, Masai, Jerry and Bobby Webster really be able to like manipulate the market to their whims. Right. Like, and, and like yeah. they control the market. And I think that had changed and like that had changed in a maybe confusing way to the front office too, that they were asking for a lot more than any other team seemed willing to offer, you know, um, I thought it was like pretty preposterous to ask like someone like the Kings, for example, for Keegan Murray when it's like one, you know, like they're, they love Keegan Murray. Like that team is obsessed with him. Like they did try to draft his twin brother. Like that's how much <laughs> they love this family. But like, you know, to be serious, like why would they? But that's as that is a trade where in the past, if you offered someone like Pascal Siakam, they probably would part with, you know, a second year player who's playing incredibly well, but you're like, well, we can also get this short thing, you know? Um, and that like ceased to really be the case. So that's just like, I think a good example of how value. Yeah. Well, and they already did it with, um, they already did it with Halliburton and Sabonis, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's like, I don't know why they would do it again. Exactly. But. I think like do extend just makes sense now because it also takes some of the anxiety off, like for everyone involved. Right. Like least of all the fan base, but like certainly for Pascal Siakam in the front office. Um, and then you also get out of the situation that's kind of looming over, I think, the front office's decision-making skills, which is like they can't afford to let another player just walk. Yeah. So the extension makes sense to me because like now you actually have a team that is functioning in the way you wanted to th them to at the beginning of the season, which is probably as like best case, like a play-in team. Yeah. Maybe depending on how, you know, the rest of the season shakes out, maybe like a lower, like securing kind of like a lower berth in the playoffs at best. But like, that's always what this team was going to be this season, you know? Um, and that's kind of what you're, that's the best you're hoping for. And now they actually do look like that. So why not hang on to someone who has like said time and time again, like they want to stay, they can contribute. They're playing really well, you know, with the new people that you've added around them. Yeah. It seems like a, it seems like a no brainer. Versus just like going out to get a deal done for the sake of now, it just seems like a deal. I, I completely agree. And I also feel like, you know, as somebody who also pays attention to like NBA media outside of our Raptors circle, it feels like, I feel like other NBA people feel like the Raptors owe it to them to, to save another team. Like that's what a lot of these trade talks are like as yeah. a, you know what I mean? Like, like almost like like we like we need to save the warriors, you know, and like stuff like this. Like they need saving. And it's like, why would that be on us? You know, like that I feel like just that is what frustrates me the it's most. It's like the org when you're it's like this is a really crude example, but it's like organ donation. It's like the raptors are the body on the table and like yeah. Yeah, these, and, and they could save these other teams. Right. And and it's yeah. just like, you know, when we were you know, when, when we were playing the Warriors in that, in that blowout game, mm -hmm. it's like, wait a second, the wrong team is tanking here. Don't you think it's like, everyone's <laughs> expecting the Raptors to tank. And it's like, we don't have all of their issues as yeah. we laid out earlier in this podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we're the team that's actually figuring things out. So I, I just feel like, you know, the OG trade has changed everything in my view in terms of like pascal specifically mm -hmm. and and i've always loved pascal i always will like I, I i've said before on this podcast like you know you look at him as like a person and his story and how he came into this league and it's like he's like literally the reason why we watch sports <laughs> you know what i mean like that he's mm -hmm. he embodies the reasons why we love sports like yeah. i'm always gonna love this guy and i feel like you know, we always complain about, you know, free agents. They don't want to sign here, blah, blah, blah. And now we have a player of his caliber who we've developed here who wants to stay despite mm -hmm. everything. 
Like, I think people should value how much he actually wants to stay. I think I was on this podcast like literally a week ago where I was like, why would he even want to still be here? You know what I mean? Like, like, like fans have been terrible. Not every fan, you know, shout out people who listen. No, to he's podcast. had some I awful think we're things. But yeah, he's had like, some awful things thrown his way. Yeah. You know, and but he wants to stay despite all of that. Like, come mm-hmm. on. I don't know. Am I just going crazy? Do I need another Ricola? Like, am I just going crazy here? <laughs> no. no, I think it makes sense. I think like sometimes it is best to like listen to your players. I know there was that like piece um, a couple days ago about like he was iced out by the front office this summer. Um, but like, I don't, I mean, you can, you can take from that what you will. Like, I'm sure the, the truth is always like somewhere in the middle of these stories. Right. Um, right in our interpretations yeah, of I it mean, it's yeah <laughs> i i still trust you know bobby and Masai to make a good deal if they insist on it mm-hmm. we'll see like mm-hmm. you know um but it just feels it just feels weird i just feel like a team with someone like pascal would have treated him better dare i say yeah i think there are like definitely were growing pains um but to a degree, like you would anticipate those, I think you don't want really smooth sailing, a hundred percent of the time, or like nobody's getting, nobody's changing, right? Like nobody's getting any better, or like changing the way that they do things. And Pascal's had plenty of like upsets and kind of shakeups in his tenure as a Raptor. I think he's like weathered them all pretty well. Um, he is just like a. I, the ice step thing was interesting to me because like Pascal is also like a pretty quiet person. Like, he's not this kind of, like, gregarious. He certainly has that side, but, like, you know, I think he gets a lot of flag for, like, maybe not stepping into, like, a leadership role, but, like, maybe that's not something he ever wanted or felt, like, naturally inclined to do. And, like, mm-hmm. he actually is now on a team where it's functioning in a way where he doesn't have to have that role anymore, and he seems quite comfortable and is playing, like, because of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I know, like, it's funny that as like a team, the Raptors are usually quite hesitant to kind of make midseason moves, you know, and, and tinkering. But then everyone was, of course, like clamoring for one. It happened. And now I'm trying to like think, okay, am I just nervous now of being like, it's fine. Like, stop messing around. Like, you fixed it. <laughs> you know, like, that's where I think I get off of being like, don't make a trade just for the sake of making a trade to like appease some other teams who need someone right now. You know, um, yeah. but it's important to note also too, like a lot of the power still rests with Pascal. Like he can refuse the the, the way that he's positioned. Like he can kind of turn down a deal if he doesn't really like where he's going because he like a team that does sign him kind of wants the security of like okay he's going to resign with us. So like you're not going to send him to some middling team because he's just going to walk. So they're not going to want that trade. So the power is still like really with Pascal in this, which is like another side of it that I like, but. Yeah, I think ultimately, like all parties involved, are leading towards like let's just extend this guy. Yeah, which is why the um, the Sacramento deal, or there was a rumored Sacramento deal that didn't mm-hmm. fall through because he said he wouldn't resign there. Mm-hmm. Wild stuff. Uh, I think I also saw someone from Sacramento being like, "Well, it's it's too it's not our fault. He doesn't want to play in a bigger city." And I was like, "Dude, I've been to Sacramento. <laughs> it's not a bigger city than Toronto." That is just classic American. That's pretty American. Yeah. Stuff there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our hottie highlight of the week. And this goes to whoever organized the team bike ride, mm-hmm. which looked like it was Venice Beach or Santa Monica. I think it was on one of the one of the L.A. beaches. Probably yeah. Venice. I'm trying to think. No, maybe Santa Monica. No, probably Venice because it's a little not as busy as Santa Monica. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a team bike ride. Really enjoyed that. Really felt like it connected everyone. You saw guys being like, oh, I haven't been on a bicycle in years. And I was like, oh, man. As someone who has biked in this city <laughs> as, an, as a full adult. No, I um, love that, man. I loved it, too, because I saw behind the scenes, I saw um, Greg Verman. He's like one of the he's like one of the lead guys in Open Gym he posted a picture of him in one of these little sidecar kind of buggies that goes in front oh, of the bike yeah. in it with the, the camera <laughs> to get some of those shots. 
which like just oh, made the entire so cool. thing cuter to me um, to just like get the shots at all costs. Cause some of them you're like, I'm like, how did they get them? Like quickly as I think, especially when he wiped out on the sand, which was definitely a highlight though. I was like, please be careful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Don't hurt. Like you can, as someone who's like been in bike accidents, like you can really get hurt. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that was just like a GoPro or something like rigged up to the front, but like to get some of those other shots, I was really wondering. So it was like nice to little, see a little bit like, behind yeah, the, the budget the on open gym increasing. I it think it's just the rent, the capacity to rent a sidecar bike attachment. Sure. Yeah. But still, yeah. I don't MLSC know. ponied up for that. Yeah. <laughs> I've always dreamed of being in one of those little sidecar things, <laughs> but I'm also like a five foot ten woman. <laughs> and I feel like would I even fit? You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this would be so fun and cute. And then it's like, I am not tiny. Like in a motorcycle situation? Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm just like, I don't know. I think they make the motorcycle ones, I think, are big enough. But it might fit. be like an XL sidecar. You know, I've seen I mean? like grown men in those, you know really all right yeah maybe yeah i don't know i i you know I, i'm someone who cares a lot about leg room yeah yeah no i hear you <laughs> don't but don't dash this dream okay thank you yeah thank you on that uh, <laughs> maybe we wrap it up wait did you want to say something no i just wanted to again say how cute i i found that i watched it in oh, like yeah. the midst of like a half waking up half still asleep fever dream in my sickness and it really like brought some positivity to my day see we needed smiles as we mm -hmm. as we heal from our <laughs> various yeah. colds here yeah. um katie thank you so much for joining me this week uh let everybody know uh what you're up to and where they can find you on the internets yeah you can find me as i mentioned earlier uh, at basketballfeelings.com there's a newsletter and a podcast there um I guess on a lot of other fronts, I've been a little bit quiet because I am working on writing a book. So that, you know, as people say, does take up a lot of your time. Yeah. Uh, so basketball feelings is probably the best one for now. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, whatevs, W-T-E-V-S. Amazing. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.